<clears throat> got home last night and asked my wife, how was my sermon? She says, I filled in all the blanks before you started. <laughs> I said, so you heard it before, huh? She said, you know, you haven't preached anything new for a long time. You just tell different stories. <laughs> I said, yeah, I kind of, you know, as you preach for 42 years, you, that's important, that's important. And then the number, it just kind of gets focus. So especially when I haven't preached for a while, I kind of, you know, what's like. And so if you fill in all the blanks, don't tell me. You'll hurt my feelings, okay? I had, it took me a little while to get over it last night with my wife. And, and uh but uh, she was thinking she was complimenting me, but I don't know. Uh, this is how it goes. You know, we raised eight kids, and I poured my life into those kids. Patty did as well. I read book after book after book after book on how to raise champions for Jesus. Went to seminars, listened to sermons, and uh, then they got to be about 18. They, they just went away. When they were all gone, it was like they all left in a couple of years. I, I was so depressed. Patty was singing the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, but, you know, we had invested lots and lots of energy in them for a short amount of their life, and we did the best we could. And after that, it was kind of up to them. We didn't know if it was going to turn out or whether they would be good or bad. It just, you just give it a shot and see what happens. Now, God does that with me and with you. The Bible says that life illustrates truth all around. So, uh, Psalm 103 says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So we can understand God a lot simply by, as a parent, how we think, how we act, what we do. So, I'm going to be 70. Somebody says, You're not really very old. I'm getting to be pretty old. I order off the back of the Denny's menu. That puts you up there when you do that. And uh, I've got a little bit of time left. I'm thinking maybe 15 years. So character, that's who you are, what you take with you to heaven, the real you on the inside. And that's what life is about, really, as a believer. That's, that's it. And so that's why I focus on that. And God does everything he can to grow us to be like himself, but an awful lot of it, we have to choose, we have to do, we have to act, we have to make decisions so that we become more and more and more like Jesus in character. Some do, many don't. So two key principles, two things that are a big factor. One is the average Christian really doesn't think it matters. I mean, their opinion of eternity is sort of... Uh, retirement forever. You just goof off, do whatever, play a harp, go fishing. You know, it's like view of eternity is pretty vanilla, like whatever. When we get there, there's going to be a lot to do, and it's going to be important stuff that we're given to do forever, and we're going to relate to, talk to, fellowship with Jesus and the Father and the second thing is that the average person thinks that whatever flaws they have, whatever character issues they have, when they step into glory, God is going to zap them and fix them. Now, if that were true, life is a joke, life is a farce, nothing really matters. Uh, and so what you are in character, the day you step into glory is what you are. 
Now, I believe that with all my heart, and I am now at 70. I'm shifting it into high gear because I don't have a lot of time left to grow, to become like him, and I have a long ways to go to become like him in character. And what I am is who I am forever, and the more like him I am, the more I will enjoy him, the more meaningful it will be, the more joy I have. It'll impact what I do, what I accomplish, the job, everything is impacted in eternity by the character level that I have. Life is about growing, growing as fast as you possibly can in the time you have left. Number one in your notes, the goal of the Christian life is to grow, to become like Christ in character. That's what life is about. When I get up every morning, today I want to grow, I want to grow as rapidly as I can. God cooperates, He wants me to grow but I have to choose a lot. It's about growing. Hebrews 6.1 says, therefore. By the way, whenever you read in the Bible, whenever you see a therefore, you know this is what's following is important. It's based on a bunch of information that has gone on before this, and so this is a summary statement. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. Press on. That means give it everything you got. Well, if God's just going to fix you when you step into glory, why? Just coast, take it easy. No sense fussing about it. Press on to maturity. Matthew 5, 48, therefore. Oh, there it is again, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, what follows is significant. Therefore, you are to be perfect. Now, that doesn't mean sinless. That means character like Jesus. You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, therefore. Wow. We're on a roll here. Therefore, three therefores in a row. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. That is, you become like Christ in character. The uh, question is, are you proactively doing that? Is that what life is about for you? Paul in Philippians 3 says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. That is, like Christ in character. I'm not there yet. But I press on. I press on. It means I give it everything I've got. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Jesus laid hold of me, saved me for a purpose, a reason. That is, I would become like him in character so that I could live with him, fellowship with him, enjoy him, he, me, and serve with him for eternity. Character is important, really important. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. i got 15 more years to go. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on to become like Him in character. Number two, growing is not a default setting in our heart. We must push Choose, work hard to grow, or we will plateau and go backwards. Now, I got back here about a month ago from a bicycle trip of two months, went 3,200 miles down to the Grand Canyon and up to Yellowstone and back home, and uh, it was lots. We went over three passes that were over 9,000 feet. And, uh, and so every day we have this little app that tells us what the day's like, and it gives you a silhouette of the ups and the downs. And every day I'd look at it and I would go, oh... My, look at those hills. Oh, there's going to be some 10% grades. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, help me, Jesus, please. Now, do you know what I like? 
Downhill. I like downhill. Downhill, you don't even have to pedal. Just ride. It's cool. It's comfortable. Oh, so fun going downhill. There was one place there, I think in Bryce Canyon, where you put your bike on the bus, and the bus went up this road for quite a few miles, and then you took your bike off, and you rode back, and it was uphill on the bus and downhill on the bike. I'm going to find a bicycle trip like that, the whole thing. All downhill. I like downhill. Downhill is fun. Uphill is an absolute pain. So that's the way we are in life. We like downhill. We like easy. We like comfortable. Not so much hard. Matthew 7, 13, Jesus speaking, Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide. The way is broad that leads to destruction. That doesn't mean hell. That means no growth, failure. And there are many who enter through it. Why? Well, because it's easy, comfortable, downhill. The gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life, life, character, growth. Few who find it. Why? Because we like downhill. That's the default setting. Up. We don't automatically choose hard, the, the, the narrow gate. We choose the wide, big, easy, comfortable gate. That's our idol is comfort, ease. Number three, God gives us living illustrations to help us to fully understand spiritual truths. And one of the best illustrations of growing in character is getting better as an athlete, especially a runner. And I say that because Paul uses that illustration repeatedly in the New Testament uh, in, as an illustration of what it means to grow. I ran uh, four marathons in my life and 16 half marathons. I did a Olympic distance triathlon, and I pedaled my bike a lot. And one of the things that I knew was that if you don't train, you're going to have a near-death experience, if not a death experience, uh, attempting to run a marathon. Um, Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's our life. The race that's set before us is what God has given us. The race set before us, let's do it with endurance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary, lose heart. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I finished. I finished the race. I crossed the finish line sprinting. Number four, growing consistently requires a commitment to a systematic training program. So occasionally some of you will say to me in the foyer, man, I'm trying. And you know that if you say that, I'll respond this way. Trying doesn't work. Trying harder never, ever changed anybody. Uh, it just frustrates you. What works is training. See, training is incremental, and it's consistent, and it's regular, and it produces growth. Training is on again, off again. I'm, excuse me, tr uh, trying harder. You simply try harder. You do, you know, you might do it all right for a while, but it doesn't change anything. Training 
If you're going to run a race, you know you need to train. You need to get better incrementally. Uh, and anybody knows that. It, I mean, people that haven't even run a race know that if they're going to attempt to do that, they've got to train. We're sort of born with that. We, we understand that's, that need to train. And training is systematic. There's a plan. Uh, it's regular. It's just what you do if you're going to uh, enter any kind of a race, an event, ride a bicycle, run, ice skate, ski, play basketball, play football. Training is involved in all of it. Second Timothy 2.5, if anyone competes as an athlete, he doesn't win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And the rules are not suggesting referee. Rules are talking about uh, systems. This is how you get better. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, don't you know? Now this is more... Uh, this is a ramp up than therefore. This is like, pay attention. Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. That is, they have a strategy, they have a plan, uh, they have a training regimen that they're in. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable, an imperishable. It lasts forever and ever and ever. What is that? That's character. They aim for a prize that won't last. We aim for a prize that lasts for all eternity. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. That is, I have a plan, I have a strategy, I have a system. Therefore, I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body, make it my slave. I discipline my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to all of you, I myself will not be disqualified. Number five, God has built into us a reward system to motivate us to grow, but most don't recognize it. So I'm going to have, I think, 12 points. A lot of this you've heard before. This one here, I don't know as you have, and if you don't learn anything else this morning, Get this one, because it's so, so important. It's really good in the sense of you being motivated. That is, you understand who you are, where you are, uh, how you're doing. First uh, Corinthians 9 again. Don't you know? Those who run in a race all run. Only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. I ran track in high school. I got lapped in the mile. How many people do you know that got lapped in the mile? I mean, either that dude was really fast or I was really slow. Nobody gets lapped in the mile. That's only four laps around the track. And uh, the guy that lapped me was really fast and I was really slow. Um, I don't know as I ever got anything but last place in the mile. I didn't do it a lot. Um, I ran the quarter mile, I ran the mile, I ran the two mile. I did the javelin. I have experienced losing a lot. You know what it feels like to lose? It's a bummer. It really is. Did you know I was the only player in the history of my high school to play JV as a senior? Before or after? Only one. Why? Well, because I was so bad. They put me on the JV team. Var Seniors always plays on the varsity, not me. I know what it feels like to lose. I told you this story, I think, before. It's one of my claims, uh, claims to fame. Uh, my coach in the track team would put me in 
uh, whatever event there was only two guys in, all small schools, and so we get points for three places, so he would check and see which ones only had two, and he put me in that one, because I was, you know, get third place. One time I did the javelin, only two in the javelin. I never thrown the javelin. Nobody from our school had ever thrown the javelin, and so I was going to throw the javelin. I got in, and I thought, this is probably the, my sport. I've discovered it. And so we borrowed a javelin from another school because we didn't have one. It was my turn, and I, you know, I was a farmer. I bucked bales. I thought, this is, I'm going to do well here. I threw it way out there. I mean, it went forever and ever and ever and ever, but it didn't stick. It had to stick to count. So I thought, I've got to give it a little bit of wrist. So the next time I threw it, it went <clears throat> a little bit too much wrist. Didn't stick. Coach come running up. He said, D, you got to stick it. If you get it, we'll win. So I got up to the line, and I just threw it out there nine feet, six inches. Got third place, we won the event. <laughs> and so we had an award ceremony at the school, and coach called me up and he said, D has the school record in the javelin. <laughs> Nobody had ever thrown the javelin before. Nine feet, six inches. And the stands, you know, got kids and parents there, and everybody laughed. I laughed, but I wasn't laughing on the inside. I was really, really embarrassed. Nine feet, six inches. I can't believe Coach did that to me. Losing, that's a bummer. Number six, when we are growing, we feel like winners. We feel good about ourselves. We have a sense of satisfaction. We sense the Lord's joy in us. So when you're growing, you know it, you feel it, you sense it. Uh, I know what it feels like to feel like a winner, and I know what it feels like to feel like a loser. Matthew 25, 14, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves. This is talking about Jesus now. One he gave five, one two, another one, each according to his own ability. Then he went on this journey. Jesus left. He went to heaven, and he's coming back. <clears throat> and the one with five got five more. The one with two had two more. But, but he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, Jesus is telling a story. You really think he's talking about money as he tells this parable? No, no, he's talking about us. He leaves, he comes back, one with five, doubled, one with two, doubled. Well done, way to go. Enter into the joy of your master. How does that feel? Number seven, when we are not growing, we feel like a loser. Down, unmotivated, sour, we don't particularly like ourselves. Um, I know what that feels like. So you grow, you don't grow, you backslide. If you pay attention, you can know uh, who you are, what you are. But we tend to ignore that because, you know, what we do when we lose is like, eh, no big deal. I'm okay. We just sort of self-talk ourselves out of it. But be transparent, be honest with who you are, where you are, what your soul's like, what your character's like. Matthew 25, 24, the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid. I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. 
His master answered, said to him, you wicked, lazy slave, you wicked, lazy, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow, gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Everyone who has more shall be given he, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness. In, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's not talking hell here. He's just talking about feeling like a loser. You lazy slave. Um, number eight, growing as an athlete happens only when we are functioning as part of a team. Now, this is God making the rules, made you, made me. God's made heaven. He knows what life is about, how we grow, how we don't. As a point at which we need to say, okay, I'm going to do it God's way. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, 42 years I've been preaching, seen a lot of people get saved, grow, backslide, fall away, and say, why? The common denominator almost always is a haphazard uh, attendance at church. Because eh, preacher's kind of boring. It's a little hot. Whatever. I've got to go fishing. Just a mental thing where eh, I can take it or leave it. No big deal. I mean, it's almost always the common denominator to those who don't grow. He would say, what? Well, that's what it says right there. Don't do it, God says. Don't forsake gathering together as is the habit of some. I went to Alaska fishing, was there for a month. I went to church while I was there. I got a free hat as a visitor. It's a cool hat. Uh, bicycle trip, almost every Sunday we were in church. And it's not like I'm going to go to hell if I don't. But man, I've only got 15 years left. I want to grow. And God makes the rules. He's the one who says if you want to grow, here's how. And so I, I follow what he says. Romans 12, 3, For through the grace given, given to me, I say, this is Paul speaking, you ought not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You know what that means? It means to think I don't need you. I can do fine by myself. I'll read my Bible. I'll pray. Who needs to go to church? But to think so is to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, that's church body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. That means we're part of a group. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of your number, your Church, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect, that is complete like Jesus in character. So we pray for one another. Ephesians 4, 16, from whom the whole body, again, body means church, being fitted and held together by 
what every joint supplies, that's me, you, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth. That's what life is about, growing as rapidly as we possibly can because what you are is what you are when you get there. Number nine, one of the key ingredients in God, God's training program is the anointed preaching and teaching of His Word. I don't like this personally because it makes me nervous. Uh, you are a victim of me. That is, if I preach well, it'll impact your growth. If I don't, it'll impact your growth. There's a whole lot of people that I have a responsibility in regards to the preaching that I do. And so the average individual doesn't like it either. But I'm not the one who's um, decided what works, what doesn't. Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ, complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. I, I get I'm on my knees and I say, Lord, if you don't give me the wisdom, if you don't give me the strength, if you don't give me the anointing, just kill me. I can't do this. It's just too much responsibility. Uh, please grant me the strength, the anointing, so that when I teach and preach your word, it impacts, influences everybody who hears. 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached. In other words, people think, preaching? Ah, boring. God says, the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom. We preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block to Gentiles' foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men, Ephesians 3.8. To me, the very least of all saints, I, I could claim that title as well as Paul, this grace was given you know what I wanted to do is to be a dairy farmer. I love dairy farming. I love cows. I don't want this to insult you, but I like cows better than people. Uh, you can hit them with a stick. Uh, but God just made it clear that I couldn't farm. I had to come be a pastor. Grace was given, a calling given to preach to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, have charge over you in the Lord, and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of the work. Now, I don't want you to give me a hug and a kiss. Uh, you can shake hands. All that's saying is that you understand the principle, that you, you, you put some value on this experience that we're having, not because it appears wise to us, but because God made the rules. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Mark 6, 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them. 1 Timothy 4, 13, until I come, give attention. Timothy was Paul's protege. He said, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure, guarantee salvation. 
not just simply salvation from hell, but salvation from the power of sin, both for yourself and for those who hear you. 2 Timothy 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine. Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. I say all that not so that you would put me on any kind of pedestal, but simply that you would understand that haphazard, on-again, off-again attendance with your church family will impact seriously your character growth. It will. That's just the way it is. You can't violate that principle and expect to grow. And when you get to the end of your life and step into glory, it's like the most, nothing else matters. Who you are when you get there is who you are. You got some time, then you need to make the most of it. And here's the principle that God gives. Um, I mean, you can listen to Chuck Swindoll on the radio, but this is your church body, your family. This is where God works through the functioning of the body and the gifts together. And so I go fishing, you go fishing, I go camping, but we just have to be careful and uh, not uh, get carried away. Uh, Haphazard church attendance is a killer to spiritual growth. That's our culture. That's what we do. Number 10, Jesus is the ultimate coach. He keeps the training hard. He keeps the training hard. The problem is that we often don't realize what he's doing, and so we fuss and whine and complain, and then it doesn't work. James 1, 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect. That's like Jesus in character. And so in the morning I say, Jesus, you do whatever you think I need so that I can grow to the max today. Whatever. I take it. Because life is going to be over soon, and what I am is what I am, and I want to become all that I can be. I really want it to be in fourth gear the rest of my life. 1 Peter 5.10, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you through suffering. Romans 8.28, We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Good doesn't mean comfortable, easy. Good means character. God causes We have to cooperate with that process. Number 11, lazy athletes are slow, out of shape, losers and quitters. Talking to a pastor from South Korea a number of years ago, and uh, we both went to a seminar uh, together, and I was just chatting with him. I said, what's your opinion of the church in America? He said, well, American Christians are lazy. I said, huh. They kind of expect God to make life comfortable. Matthew 25, 26, his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy, lazy slave. Joshua 23, 11, take diligent heed to yourself. Proverbs eleven twenty four: the hand of the diligent will rule. 12, it only takes a very short time of lazy to lose a long time of dedicated training. You know, like one summer. And you'll lose a ton of what you gained So pay attention to your own heart and soul and character and be cautious about missing Bible reading 
postponing or putting off praying, going weeks and months without attending church. Uh, just be nervous about that. You don't want to miss a day growing. You don't want to be less than you could be when you step into glory. Philippians 2.16, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, that's the day we stand before him, we'll have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. I'll be like him in character. 13, focus on the finish line to stay motivated to training well. Life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you accomplish, what you don't, what you do, what you don't. I mean, it's part of life, but what matters is when it's over. And you stand before Jesus and you step into glory and you get your glorified body because your character is what you take with you. And some people are going to be babies when they step into glory because they haven't grown much. Hebrews 10.32, remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. You showed sympathy to the prisoners, accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Persecution was intense during this time. And so they took your property, they threw you in jail, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's the words of Jesus. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We'll run the race well. We'll finish strong. <clears throat> Number 14, <clears throat> what and who we are when we cross the finish line is what and who we are forever. Now, I get a fair amount of pushback on that. I say it over and over and over again. And people don't argue with me on this point because of what they know about the Bible. They argue with me because they don't like it. Man, that puts a lot of pressure on you. What and who you are the day you die or Jesus comes back, that's who you are for eternity. Oh, man, that, that means I can't goof off. I'd rather goof off. That means I've I got to read my Bible. I'd rather, you know, skip it. That means I've got to pray. That means I've got to go, oh, I've got to press, push, choose. Be an athlete, train. I'd rather be lazy. Well, you can't. Eternity, all of eternity matters. 1 Corinthians 15, 41, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. Star differs from star and glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. That's when we get there, there's going to be a huge difference, huge difference in character as people enter into heaven. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be as much like Jesus as is possible. Not that I've arrived, but I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus to be as much like him as is possible in the time I have left. I wish that I shifted it into high gear when I was 20, but I didn't. I wish that I shifted it into high gear when I was 30. I'm 70. Man, I could die t today. So I'm not going to waste a day. I'm not going to waste the day. I'm going to push. I'm going to push every day to grow as much as I possibly can. Character matters. If one of my kids went sideways, 
fell away from the Lord, got addicted to drugs, whatever, I would grieve over that. And it's almost every day, someone I know, someone part of this church, and I grieve over that. I pray for every one of you every week by name. I pay attention to what's going on in your life, and I try to pray and ask God to lasso you, do whatever to keep you from going where you ought not to go. And sometimes when you're gone, I think, man, I wonder what I could have done different. I wonder what I could have done more. And I, I grieve over that because eternity is a long time. Who we are is who we are. This life matters. So be a good athlete. Train every day. Press on t- to maturity. It's a choice we make. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. We love you with all of our heart. Thank you for saving us so that our sins are forgiven and we're adopted into your family. When we came into your family, we did so as a baby, as it were, and now we're growing to become like Jesus. You are causing all things to work together for good. You're training us, but Lord, we have to be part of the process. We have to choose. We have to respond and we have to want. I want, Lord, I want to grow and do whatever it takes to help me to grow rapidly. And I'll read, I'll pray. Lord, I'll not run without aim, not boxes of beating the air. I will discipline my body and make it my slave. I pray that each person here would be so serious about growing and pressing on to maturity. Uh, We would enjoy life and, and take vacations, but Lord, we would always keep an eye on our heart, our soul. We would know what it means to feel like a winner, know what it means to feel like a loser. We'd press on to maturity every day. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.